prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Academy Award winner J.K. Simmons joins us to talk about national champions being the Ricardos and returning to Spider-Man. Hey guys, Josh Horowitz here with another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused and a new guest on the pod this week, someone that we have long respected and loved, the great J.K. Simmons. Yes, of course, he won the Oscar a few years back for Whiplash, a film I was obsessed with, a performance I was obsessed with. Um, but beyond that, J.K. is one of these guys you can plug into any kind of film and is just always fantastic. His work with Jason Reitman, going back to Thank You for Smoking and Juno, um, his work with Sam Raimi in the Spider-Man films, uh, he's been in Coen Brothers films, Damon Chazelle has worked with him a couple times, he's just always fantastic. Even his television work, going back to Oz and Law and & Order, just somebody that whenever he pops on screen, I know I'm going to respect and love what he he does, regardless of the project. So this was a great chat with a consummate actor, a character actor extraordinaire, someone um, that is fantastic. And these two new movies are really well worth talking about. Being the Ricardos is Aaron Sorkin's newest film. It's coming out in a few weeks on Amazon Prime and in theaters. It's uh, Being the Ricardos, and it's kind of a week in the life of um, the making of I Love Lucy. And J.K. Simmons plays William Frawley, who was a part of that ensemble. The film is led by Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. They're both fantastic in it, and it's obviously got that crackling Aaron Sorkin dialogue well worth checking out. Also worth checking out, and this one was a little bit more of a surprise to me, is this movie National Champions, which is um, kind of a football movie without the football. (laughs) Uh, um, J.K. plays a big-time college football coach and finds himself in the center of kind of the student-athlete debate, whether student-athletes should be making money, who is profiting in college sports, and the injustices, perhaps, in the system that's, uh, that's benefited the coaches and the colleges and maybe not the athletes. And it's a, it's a really good, compelling story with some great performances from Stefan James and J.K., as I said, as the, as the coach. Um, so that's worth checking out. One film I haven't seen that J.K. does pop in uh, is the new Spider-Man movie. That's coming soon. And, of course, we had to talk about um, J.K.'s long-running now performance as J. Jonah Jameson. He was J. Jonah Jameson in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, and he is that rare actor in the Spider-Man films or any comic book film that's kind of transferred into the different universes. So now a different version of J.K. Simmons, or a different version of J.K. Simmons, a different version of J. Jonah Jameson is, of course, in now the new Spider-Man films with Tom Holland. We talk a bit about that, about that and how that all went down. We also talk about his involvement as Commissioner Gordon. He is, of course, in the DC universe as well. And yes, he had only a small bit in the Justice League movie, but happy to say, J.K., is going to be in the Batgirl movie. Did you know there was going to be a Batgirl movie? Yeah, they're about to make it. And he, it sounds to me from this conversation we're going to see much more of Commissioner Gordon in that one. So there's your tease for that. Other stuff to mention, and there's a bit to mention. The big announcement that we've just made is that we are doing our third annual Happy, Sad, Confused Holiday Benefit. Um, this is very special to me. Every year, the last couple of years, we've done one of these, uh, and it's going to be with, with one of our favorite human beings. It's Tom Hiddleston is the guest of honor this year. Thursday, December 16th, an hour-long chat, me and Tom, and hopefully you guys. It's virtual. 
anybody can watch, anybody can participate. You can even send in your video questions. All you have to do is go to the Symphony Space website, symphonyspace.org. I'll also put the link in the show notes here. I'm going to tweet it out. You won't be able to miss it. But hopefully this is a nice, fun event for everybody. Um, and it's a way to raise some some money for a cause that's very important to me. Not only does Symphony Space raise some money, and they're a great arts institution, but my mom's uh, nonprofit uh, website, Harlem Is, which is this kind of like um, yeah, this rare, more than rare, it's like the only website of its kind that documents kind of the living cultural history of Harlem. And uh, it could definitely need all your support, and that's all every single dollar goes to both Harlem Is and to Symphony Space. So hopefully uh, a bunch of you guys will shell out a couple bucks for this event and enjoy it as well. I mean, it's me and Tom talking for an hour. That's always fun. And I should say it's not going to appear as a podcast. We're trying to make this special. This is the only way to watch it or listen to it is to buy tickets for this event. Live December 16th, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Greenwich Time. Um, I encourage you guys to come by, check it out, enjoy me and Tom, and um, yeah, a good time will be had by all. What else to mention? Other things to mention? I don't know. There's a ton of stuff going on. All big holiday movies. I've been watching a bunch. I've been trying to catch up with everything. There's just too much out there, guys, but um, it's all good. I hope you guys, uh, if you're listening to this prior to Thanksgiving, I hope you guys have a chance to catch up with your families and enjoy yourselves and eat way too much turkey and stuffing. I know I will, and um, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with one of my favorite actors who I finally got to know a little bit. Um, it's the great J.K. Simmons. Enjoy. Mr. J.K. Simmons, welcome officially to the podcast, sir. Longtime fan, first time caller. I don't know what we say nowadays. It's good to see you, though. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. Sorry, right off the bat, it is Dr. Simmons. Uh, yep. I do have an honorary uh, PhD. Do you really? Thank you very much. Uh, I didn't mean yes. to sound so surprised when I said that. that my voice <laughs> went up like six octaves. Do you really? I, I, I am apparently a doctor of humane letters, uh, courtesy of, and courtesy is the correct term, courtesy of the University of Montana, which is my actual alma mater for my actual bachelor's degree. You did complete, did you, you got your bachelor's degree. You did, I know you bounced um, around a couple of schools, but you, you, got, you, you got the official degree. Yeah, as my, as my wonderful late Aunt Connie used to refer to uh, her son, Ted, who was my age and myself, we were both on the graduation prevention program <laughs> for five years plus two quarters, in, in my case, at three different schools and uh, three different degree programs and two different dropout periods. But yes, by golly, I am a Bachelor of Music. There you go. Or BM, and- as we call it. No, we don't. That's probably not the best acronym to use. Um, yeah, I, I, had this, I had a similar trajectory in, in high school. But us late bloomers, we, we look, we got, we got there. We got where, where, you know, where we needed to get to on, on our we schedule. Are. We're talking and people are actually watching and listening. So go figure. Hopefully. So since we're reminiscing and we're going to bounce around your storied uh, life and career, sir, I did take the opportunity to revisit, first of all, uh, your Oscar speech uh, last night. And I was, I was, for even a dark soul like myself, I was profoundly moved um, because this was a speech that nary a manager or an agent was mentioned, though they obviously are important, but you had been on that long run and you clearly had some time to think about it and you really kept it personal and talked about your wife, your kids, 
and your parents. And it, it was very moving. Just talk to me a little bit about what you wanted to say and, and how important that speech was for you at the time. Uh, well, I recall, uh, uh, I recall a, a close friend of mine, uh, Bill Fagerbaki, uh, uh, on a text chain at the very beginning of the whole phenomenon that was whiplash and that whole awards, you know, thing, uh, saying in a, a three-man text chain with him and our friend Dan Erickson, uh, saying, I bet I know what Gator, we could spend half an hour on why that's my nickname, but <laughs> I, I bet I know what Gator's going to talk about at his Oscar speech. And I didn't even know at the time, um, but uh, both of them had been very close with my parents. And, uh, uh, and as I sort of went down that, that trail of, of, you know, a trophy a week, it seemed like in, in, in that, uh, you know, yeah. the, in the blessing that was whiplash. Uh, yeah, I did realize kind of uh, in the middle of that whole thing that, that, you know, if I was fortunate to keep getting handed those things, that, uh, that, that would be the focus of, uh, of the big one. And, uh, and I never really wrote it, um, for better and or worse. I never really wrote any of those, you know, acceptance speech kinds of things. I just went in knowing what I wanted to say uh, in a general sense. And then after, um, and since you have it in your recent history, you can, you can review this again, if you like, after I slightly headbutted Lupita Nyong'o as she handed me the trophy, uh, because I was so just generally awkward and, 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 and went up to, uh, went up to accept the, you know, the piece of hardware from her and to shake her hand. Like we were businessmen in 1955. Um, I realized, oh, no, 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 this is, this is Hollywood. And you have to do the fake kiss on the cheek thing. Right. And I, and I, I just faked her out just enough that we did a little, a little clash of, a little clash of foreheads there. Um, uh, anyway, marking your territory you were you were saying this is my Oscar. you had yeah, your time last year this is my, my time. yeah yeah <laughs> like a like a ram on the mountainside butting heads with lupita yeah it's my turn well, you, now you compensated um, with the emotion that came in the in the 90 seconds there hence yeah uh well yes and i and i uh thank you and i'm and there were many many really wonderful moving and some amusing stories that came out of that but uh but yeah, I just wanted to take that opportunity to talk about what's most important. Were your parents worried about you over the years? Because, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to this a bit, but like the trajectory of your career, there's no like, there's no like standard trajectory, obviously for any actor, but yours is, is an interesting one. And in that like, if you look at the last 15 years, you have not wanted for work, but if you look at the first 15 or 20 years, it was a much different story. In that first section of the career, what, what were the parents' attitudes about JK's future? Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, concerned is a, is a fair term to use. Um, I was fortunately they were, you know, both uh, you know, creative performing arts types. My father was a music professor and conductor, and uh, and my mother and they had met in a in a in the chorus of a college production of Kismet. I'm pretty sure at Knox College. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're both always very supportive of, uh, my brother and myself and our sister who, uh, who actually went on to do smarter things for a living and, and just retired as a college professor. Um, but yeah, they were, they were always completely supportive of whatever path we wanted to take, uh, to express ourselves creatively, artistically. And, uh, 
and even when I was, uh, I, I, I keep not wanting to use the word struggling because uh, there are certainly many people on the globe yeah. whose yeah. struggles are much more uh, serious than mine. Uh, you know, when I was barely making ends meet and, and you know, trying to find a job waiting tables in Hell's Kitchen, um, and, and my friend Greg Edelman came over to visit one night, and uh, after, after hearing me be honest about how hard up I was for cash at the time, I, I noticed the next morning under my answering machine, he'd left me 40 bucks, um, which he knew I wouldn't accept, you know, if he handed right. it to me. Right. Um, and uh, uh, so, yes, a, a variety of friends and certainly my parents were, were very supportive and understanding and helpful during those days when it seemed frankly, like I was probably beating my head against a wall um, trying to pursue this ridiculous career. Does, does the mindset ever change? Because that must be so ingrained in you in that first part of your life where like it's on and off. You have a gig here for a few months or six months and then you're struggling and you're waiting tables again. And it must be such kind of, for lack of a better term, a mind fuck to now be like so wanted and, and have an abundance of work. Like, does it ever, do you find that the old JK still lives in the, the body of the new JK? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and uh, uh, mostly, I think, I hope in, in positive ways. Um, yeah. Uh, certainly it's, it's easy to begin to take things for granted. You know, the good fortune I've had in, in my career and, and in my life um, uh, with, you know, my, beloved wife and kids and friends and siblings and all of that. Um, uh, so, so yeah, it, it is, I think important once in a while to, uh, to kind of, uh, go back and, and, you know, sit across from that 20 something year old dude who was, who just had absolutely no clue. And, and fortunately, really not much in the way of viable options in terms of, uh, you know, a career to, to make a living other than, you know, something in the service industry um, uh, and, and, and say, you know, it's going to be fine. You're going to be OK. Uh, you know, you're going to you're, you're going to be able to work and, and, and share with with, in fact, you know, more people than you ever dreamed you would. Um, your, your prodigious talents. Um, and, uh, and, you know, again, more importantly, you know, you're going to, you're going to have a, a life. You, um, you spent a lot of the early career primarily in the theater. And I realized going back that that's in fact where I first saw you. I, I, I born and raised a New Yorker and I saw a lot of theater growing up. And I remember seeing the amazing production of Guys and Dolls that was like, Hey, it was like the Hamilton of the day. It was, it was, it was a, film. Oh, dude. it was, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, well, it was, you know, the box office Broadway record uh, at that time, but was shattered by that genius Jerry Zach's directed production with Nathan Lane and Faith yeah. Prince and Peter Gallagher, Peter Gallagher and yep. Josie de Guzman. And I mean, you know, the, the, the cast was Walter Bobby, Timmy Shue, my illustrious self, uh, that remains one of the, the highlights of my life as an actor, uh, particularly the, 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 the little chunk of time when you, when you move into the theater and you get through the, the annoyance of tech rehearsals and you're, and you're in 
final dress and previews and all that and and meeting in the lobby after those every night with with jerry zacks the the funniest director on the planet um just just getting notes i mean those sessions of getting notes surrounded by you know the funniest most talented people in, in new york uh was, was really one of the one of the highlights of my of my career and life I mean, in all honesty, it remains like my favorite Broadway musical I've ever seen. And I always bring it up when I'm talking about like film adaptations. And I have kind of like a soft spot for the weird, you know, Marlon Brando film version, which is, you know, obviously not the best song and dance man, but uh, it boggles my mind. They've never made it into a feature, like another version of it for a feature film. One of these days, I suppose. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe I can play Arvind Abernathy in that version. (laughs) I played Abernathy in my camp production. So maybe we'll we'll, we'll duke it out. (laughs) Dude. I mean, that show, I mean, that was, that was part of the reality of that show. And that that, from, from Jerry Zach's perspective, that was, that was really intimidating going into that because everybody did that show in the high school or or theater camp or, or wherever everybody thinks they know you know, how that show needs to be. And it was, you know, the show itself is so genius that, that Jerry was like, look, all we could do is screw this up because everyone you have the raw material. Yeah, exactly. sheer yeah. genius. And yeah. uh, fortunately it was. Yeah. Well, go back to the original cast recordings for that one. People should check it out. Um, you, you've, you've lived such an interesting like life in, in film and TV where you're a lot of different things to a lot of people. And you've kind of like reiterated with thanks to these very kind of iconic roles over the years. Is there one specific shift that you noticed in public where like you were suddenly perceived very differently, if not overnight in a short period of time? Uh, the first one that comes to mind, I mean, there have been several. The, the, the first one, I mean, the first one was somebody knowing who the hell I was, sure. you know, when I was walking down 8th Avenue. Um, uh, but yeah, a big one that comes to mind was after Oz had been on for a while and, and we were living in New York, obviously at the time. And, and Oz was, a, you know, a phenomenon, uh, uh, particularly in New York city. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the, I mean, the, the thunder was kind of stolen by the Sopranos a year or two later, but, but Oz, uh, and God bless Tom Fontana. Um, you know, Oz was the first original drama on HBO or on any of the, you know, premium, you know, cable networks uh, and, and broke ground uh, in so many ways. Um, so, I, yeah, I began, you know, getting recognized on the street all the time for that. But then I was riding my bike down, I think, Broadway one time with, you know, the helmet on and the shades and everything. And it was shortly after the first Spider-Man movie had come out. And I mean, I'm about as anonymous as you can be, you know, with, with the GAC I was wearing and on my bike. But uh, as I finally got to a light that I had to stop for, you know, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't run through the red light. Um, some people crossing in the crosswalk were like, oh, my God, it's, it's J. Jonah Jameson. You know? and, and, uh, and I thought, wow, that's, that's, a, that's a powerful, uh, uh, yeah. you know franchise is is the word that that i'm trying not to use but uh, right. but you know that first spider-man movie you know had, had such an impact on on you know the zeitgeist of uh, you know popular culture in this country and um and thank you sam raimi yeah one of who someone you've collaborated with i mean the, the fact that i was going to get to this later but if you look at the ones that you've collaborated with multiple times speaks volumes about your career whether it's it's damien chazelle it's Ramey, it's the Cone brothers, it's Jason Reitman. It's like, 
you know, put that put that on the resume. That that that's all you need to know about what this guy can deliver. Um, I was just talking to Jason last week, and you know, he can, as you know, he calls you his muse. So that's uh, <laughs> which is disturbingly wonderful, yeah, or wonderfully <laughs> disturbing, or or something. Yeah. Well, we'll get to Jason in in a second, but I'm curious. Okay, the one person I, I've also talked about uh, you with. Uh, it was um, Chris Pratt for Tomorrow War, and you came up in conversation. There's no way for me to ask this without sounding creepy. I'm going to do my best. But your physical um, <laughs> arrival in our zeitgeist the last few years, thanks to, I guess it was first thanks to Whiplash, where like people were like, oh, like this guy looks like jacked. And then like an Instagram post a few years ago goes viral. <laughs> I, mean, I guess my, 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 my serious-ish question about this is, has that changed your like career in the industry? Do people now perceive you as like a guy that can do different kinds of things? Now they realize like underneath he's actually like got, yeah. got, yeah. got something interesting there. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it has, and 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 it's also um, you know, uh, as my wife will attest, uh, you know, um, just helped me become a more physically healthy human being in general because I, i'd gone back and forth a few times uh, in my life beginning with like the first season of oz in which i was a kind of a fat piece of poo and 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 as i watched that first season and, and saw so many of the things that were so brilliant about it i also saw i just i'm having a hard time believing this guy as the head of the aryan brotherhood in a maximum right. security prison because he looks like you know the pillsbury doughboy um <laughs> So, so that was the first time I, you know, kind of got my butt to the gym and tried to be healthy. And then, and I've gone back and forth a, a, a few times. And then it was coincidentally shortly before whiplash that I had been like really grotesquely obese uh, on purpose for a movie a couple years before that. And, and, uh, and, and listened to my wife, Michelle Schumacher, uh, another longtime or, or multiple collaborator as a filmmaker yes. um, uh, who finally said, you know what, maybe moderation uh, would be a good thing and eating a little less and exercising a little more and getting some supervised training and all that instead of starving yourself and then eating like a pig. And, you know, right. so I, I had done that and, and, and it just happened to coincide with the time whiplash uh, uh, was, you know, being put together and, I think the only thing that I, uh, aside from Miles and I having the freedom to, you know, improvise around Damien's brilliant script, the only thing that I that I asked to do differently uh, than what he had written was he had written uh, uh, Fletcher's wardrobe to be uh, sort of Men in Black, you know, a, a very put together dark suit, tie, white shirt, and uh, and. And I said, what if instead of the white shirt and the tie under the jacket, it was just a black t-shirt. And it was like, you know, he's like a beatnik, you know, that has, right. you know, 10 of those jackets and 15 of those t-shirts in his closet. And that's his uniform, you know, and, and, uh, and he embraced that idea. And then, uh, and <laughs> such a great time with Miles Teller, you know, the young stud mocking me all the time about, you know, trying to be the, the sort of semi-buff old guy in that uh, 
in that movie because <laughs> because Miles, of course, was supposed to look not as you know. I mean, a, a year or two later, he's doing the boxing movie where he's right, all shredded, right. and you know. But um, but uh, yeah, that was a, there was a whole interesting amount of testosterone flying around that set, oh, not sorry. unlike the Tomorrow War with with Pratt, who obviously is you know America's you know flat abs sweetheart. Um, <laughs> Much to his chagrin, because of course, you know, he's like now everybody thinks I walk around with a six pack all the time, and the six yeah. pack is not abs; it's ale, you know. Right. <laughs> Most of the time, until, until he's training again for a movie. Exactly. I feel like underneath that that thing that he can adopt, it's like me or just like a normal guy. He's like he's like he's like <laughs> an he's actual human, right? He yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just happens yeah. to be able to wear the superhero costume occasionally. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's and funny. now and be actually, related to Schwarzenegger. So exactly. Know. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of physicality, so I want to, let's start to get into some of the the recent work you've done because I've seen being the Ricardos, national champions, um, and let's start with being the Ricardos because it's really striking to me, you know, playing this character, um, the physicality of William Frawley. Like he, I, tell me, like I'm just curious. Like I, I assume there's no like big like fat suit or anything here. It's more of just like a gait, like the way you carry yourself. But like you really, you inhabit a different body in this without seemingly changing your diet significantly. Or you tell me, I'm curious. Well, uh, yes, R really uh, uh, interesting question and interesting sort of journey to get to where we got because, because you know, along with uh, the maestro, Aaron Sorkin and and Susan Lyle, the costume designer. You know, once I once I uh, frankly got over my terror and and agreed to do it. Um, you know, one of the first conversations was about fat suit, not fat suit. You know, uh, hair prosthetics. You know, uh, how far do we want to go? And Aaron uh, said several times early on that he wasn't looking for you know an impression, and and his one of his go to phrases was that. This is really uh, we, the actors, you know, should think of this as as a painting more than a photograph, uh, as impressionism rather than an impression. Um, and and Susan and I went back and forth, uh, sort of conceptually, and then and then physically with some different versions. And you know, a year and a half after the Tomorrow War, uh, most of which had been during the pandemic, obviously, uh, you know, I. I had let it slide a little bit, uh, so I had put on a few pounds, um, and and my initial idea was to not have any kind of fat suit and simply do it with with my posture. And then we 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 tried, you know, the sort of traditional fat suit that you pull on that's attached to a t-shirt, you know, that you wear and kind of snap at your crotch like a you know leotard or so, and and that didn't feel or look right and i and i finally along with susan we came up with the idea of uh of kind of like bicycle pants you know under under you know exercise under armor um and and sewing a, a small pad into that that really owned because william frawley was not fat he was just kind of pear-shaped right um, he, he wasn't fat up here, and 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 his the way he carried his belly was all kind of below that high waisted, nineteen fifties uh, belt. So there was no padding except a, a small layer attached to my, you know, underwear that I just pulled up, 
high, you know, over my belly button. This is getting way more you know, anatomical <laughs> than people are going to want to really hear about. Um, but, you know, and then, and, and that was very slight. And I think, uh, you know, hopefully very subtle, but then, but then, uh, uh, you know, to the extent that, that I did want to try to embody him physically without being rich little or, or an impressionist, right, right. you know, so much of it then was the posture and the, and the two or three sort of idiosyncratic ways that he, that he tended to stand or sit, you know, that, uh, that just helped me uh, sort of begin to, you know, physically and psychologically, emotionally, you know, begin to inhabit uh, that guy. And the physicality was, was definitely a, an important aspect of it. That and the, and the tiny little comb over, um, <laughs> which, uh, I mean, we talked about doing, cause he had a different kind of old guy neck thing going on than I do. Yeah. Um, we talked about prosthetics and, and Aaron, you know, Again, correctly not a photograph. Talk, talked yeah. me out of it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the little comb over was a, a, another touch that, that to me, uh, you know, actually made a, a significant difference in, uh, uh, in whatever, in, in becoming that guy. Do, do you ever, as an actor, hang your hat on like a specific line of dialogue in a script? Because like one jumped out at me when I was watching this and I, I believe it was your character. I wasn't taking precise notes, but it's, it's um, uh, something dies when a man is called old. Um, I believe you, your character says that, right? Um, is that, is that uh, something yeah, that- That's a slight paraphrase, but yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. Aaron, so Aaron Sorkin would take me to task for, for mis- <laughs> One does not paraphrase. I know, I know, I know, um, I know exactly. But does that, does that speak volumes of your character? Is that one jump out or something else? I'm curious. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, and that's, it's so genius. Of course, Aaron Sorkin, the writer. Um, uh, and, and now more and more people are seeing him as the, the director that he has become. Um, the, the way he drops those those little breadcrumbs because that but that was such an important aspect of of what Bill Frawley's life was at that time you know and and when he and Vivian met for the first time at, at the read through she walked into the room with Lucy Bill was you know across the room and and she saw him like in person for the first time I think and it was overheard by uh, by Bill to say to Lucille, you can't be serious. I'm married to that old coot. Wow. And that was kind of the end of any possibility of them being friends. Uh, And that was part of their, uh, you know, difficult relationship, Bill and Vivian for, for the duration of, of their time together. And, and, you know, and, and I, and I think, you know, that was uh, uh, the, uh, that and and maybe you know Aaron is I think not as old as I am but but certainly not as young as we once were <laughs> you know I think there's there's obviously to a to a guy who's been on the planet for a while that's a reality that's a reality when you whether somebody says that to you or about you or whether you just you know you begin to realize oh oh yeah I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not the way I've always perceived myself to be. I'm, I'm, I'm the old guy now. And that's, and it's, uh, it's difficult. I think more difficult for women, but it's difficult for anyone to come to terms with. 
it's a it's a delicious script and great filmmaking getting from from Sorkin and, and amazing performances throughout. Um, another film yeah. I want to mention that really kind of caught me off guard, to be honest, was uh, National Champions, which I think is a really fine a fine film. Um, uh, Rick yeah, Renoir. Yeah, I, I think Love you're him. excellent. Uh, he's I, and I've talked to other actors who have talked him up, and um, it struck me this is your second film with Stefan James. Um, I believe, if right. I remember that. Even though right. our paths didn't directly cross on 21 Bridges. I do remember, it's funny, because like, you know, I, I, I can't say I knew him well, but I knew Chadwick a little bit and talked to him a bunch. And I remember whenever I talked to him about 21 Bridges, he went out of his way to talk about Stefan and, um, and how impressed he was and how that was the story of the film for him. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, mean, and, absolutely, you, and it was for me, too, as, as an audience seeing the movie. And Stefan and I met, I think, before we started shooting, like, you know, for literally a minute and, at, at, you know, crossing paths in some office somewhere. But uh, that was all that I had, uh, the only connection that I had personally with him uh, before uh, National Champions. And then, of course, I mean, no spoilers, but despite the fact that our, that our characters are so intertwined, in national champions, we don't really share all that much screen time in, in that film either. Right. This, this character, you play this coach, uh, this revered coach of a college football team. Um, and it's a football movie without football with no spoilers, yeah. really. It's not, I mean, it, it's about football, but it's not, it's about some, some much bigger stuff. Um, but that being said, you do still get kind of like the iconic speech in a different sort of way. It's not quite the Vince Lombardi speech, but there is like a really amazing uh, sequence in there. Um, as an actor, knowing you're doing like a, a quote unquote sports film of a kind, are you thumbing through the pages looking for that kind of thing? Not to say like, I need a big speech, but like, you know, if you're going to be the coach, you kind of want it. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, sort of in retrospect, I guess, but, but I, I, I still try to do this uh, almost invariably, uh, when I get, and again, you know, here I am, people are approaching me with scripts all the time now, you know, and, and it's not 1984, you know, waiting tables at Joe Allen. Um, uh, so, so now that I, that I have that uh, luxury uh, of deciding what I want to do, I try, I don't read, uh, I don't look at lookbooks, I don't read uh, synopses, log lines, uh, you know, I don't look at genre or, or any of that. I don't even really usually look at who's producing it or is it a studio or is it an indie? I just read the script. And, uh, and I just, you know, started at the beginning and, and read the script and, and as it, and I think I'm pretty sure that, well, no, there were, there were some kind of significant changes between that first script I read and, and the script we shot. And of course, then the finished film, but it was fundamentally very close to that. And, and, uh, um, yeah, when that time came for, for the, you know, the impassioned, uh, uh, locker room or hotel ballroom technically, but, <laughs> right, but, right, you know, right. that speech that, uh, that I, I think sometimes people do expect, uh, especially in a more formulaic kind of sports movie. Um, it was such an interesting take on that because as you said, it's not raw, 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 you know, let's go beat the other team. It, it, it's a very different, uh, uh, speech um and it was and it was, it, it was so beautifully done uh, by rick waugh that the director uh, as the whole movie is um to uh, to just put me in this room with with you know 
50 guys, you know, most of whom look believably like, you know, they could be high level college football players and not tell that. And then, you know, with a, a few of our principal actors, you know, sprinkled in there among them um, and just, and just have these, these young extras, these young guys who just like want to yeah, a hundred bucks to pretend to be a football player. Sure. You know, right. Right. Um, who were, you know, because of, because of the way Rick prepared them for what we were about to do. Um, it was, it was a very emotionally charged room that day. And, and all these guys who, you know, have never acted a day in their lives, most of them, and, and, and maybe never will, uh, were like, you know, giving me back so much during that speech, you know, the, the, the emotion was, uh, was, was really real and raw, uh, you know, as it is, uh, in the best moments of, of, of any kind of uh, uh, acting you're doing, whether, you know, whether it was a scene with Kristen Chenoweth and me, you know, right. as the, you know, the married couple or, or, or whatever it may be. Um, it, you know, I can just say, it's so interesting you say that because it occurred to me when I'm watching that, I'm like wondering for you as an actor, because it is a monologue, it is a speech, but you're taught. It's so funny that you're, you're talking about what you're receiving back, even though it's it's energy and looks as opposed to dialogue, and it, that can be just as important. Clearly, for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's unless you're literally doing, you know, soliloquy where you're just talking to the air. You know, right. I mean, I mean, if it's a two-page speech uh, that's that's on me, and again, Rick, God bless him. You know, like like the the script was so wonderful, but but you know, Rick always gave us room to, you know, do our thing and make it our own and, and depart from what was on the page. Um, uh, what was my point? My point was, yeah, your, your, you know, your, your aim almost always in any kind of scene you're doing is, is to connect, right. to communicate to, you know, uh, and, and, and yeah, despite the fact that none of those 50 kids or, you know, dozen assistant coaches had anything to say in it. Uh, they, yeah, they spoke volumes with the, with their 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 focus and their and their uh, uh, commitment to you know being in the moment, and it was and it was really helpful to me. Um, if you'll indulge me, you can tell from the glasses. I obviously I watch a lot of superhero movies, so let's talk a little bit about your uh, some of your iconic roles because you mentioned uh, your participation in Spider Man, which was and is a phenomenon. Uh, you've worked with Raimi many times. Um, that role. Uh, is an iconic role. And I'm curious, like from the beginning, when you, when you first played J. Jonah Jameson, um, did you know exactly what your take on it was? Did you know, like that I have license to go a little big with this thanks to Sam's direction? Like, did, uh, tell me about how you dialed that performance in from the start. Yeah, I, I definitely knew going in and I, and I, I did five movies, five Sam Raimi movies in a row, um, beginning with <laughs> uh, For Love of the Game. Right. The baseball movie with Costner, where I played the coach of my hometown Detroit Tigers, uh, and then a movie called The Gift, which uh, which people should see if they haven't. Um, kind of underrecognized Sam yeah. Raimi film, uh, and it was during that 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 the word got around to people who actually pay attention that Sam was going to be directing Spider Man, and friends of mine, you know, would be calling, saying, "Oh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta play." most of them thought I should play, I think like the vulture or, you know, whoever the bad guy might be because nobody knew. Um, and, uh, and then when, uh, uh, and uh, whatever, I, 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 I've never been good at 
sort of self-promotion or, or schmoozing or, you know, any of that. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to sound like whatever, like I'm above that. I'm just really lousy at it. So, so, um, so I never did try to, you know, schmooze Sam and go, Hey, Oh, so Spider-Man, wow, that's, that's going to be fun, isn't it? Um, but uh, at, at, I think shortly after we finished uh, um, the gift, um, I heard directly from Sam that, you know, he wanted me to play that part, but obviously I had to audition and the studio had to approve and, and uh, all of that. And, and I uh, immediately did know that uh, after seeing the script um, that he felt to me like the character that needs to almost more than anybody else in the movie, just jump off the pages of the comic books and be that uh, uh, kind of anachronistic, like have that kind of 1950s, 60s kind of vibe, even though we were updating the story. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and Sam was, you know, completely on board with, with that and in, in every way. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, it was one of the biggest blessings of my blessed, fortunate career. And, and who knew it continues to this day. I, I know from the recently released trailer that we can officially say you are in the new Spider-Man film. Um, we actually can, yeah. So I'm just curious, like, are you starting from scratch with this character? Like, do you view it, is it, is it the same guy in your mind or are yeah, you doing you know a different what? version? I, I mean, I think it's a slightly different version and certainly from the, you know, from the creators of this current uh, uh, iteration of the, of the story. Uh, it's a, it's a, very different character to me it's a slightly different character it's 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 the same blowhard you know uh the same guy with less hair uh and honestly i kind of wish he still had the same hair but i think the first time they asked me to do it it was so i i assume it was kind of late notice decision on their parts to you know to add jameson because because once they came and asked me to do it it was like let's sit down, let's have a meeting with all the big wigs at Sony and talk about it. And yes. Okay. And bang, 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 the deal's done. And, you know, we're shooting the day after tomorrow and uh, no, we don't want you to, you know, have the, the flat top haircut. And I was like, wait, 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 what? what? <laughs> That's <laughs> how, how I become J. Jonah Jameson. That <laughs> guy. Yeah. We don't want the cigar and the mustache and the blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's kind of a guy, you know? Um, so, so, uh, you know, it was it was a negotiation then at that point and and obviously the most important thing is that he's still the same blowhard and uh, and he does have he does have the same damn mustache very close to it and uh and cigar at least so um <laughs> yeah and you know and as is appropriate for that character you know he's he's a, you know just a little a little kind of you know comic relief uh, uh thing that uh, that gets uh, sprinkled lightly into the movie um and uh you know after the after the the, the first two especially with sam you know uh, people you know friends and people in the business were like now nah, they should they should do a, a movie about j jonah jameson and i and i i, I always said no 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 no, no he's no. best in the corner that's a couple scenes yeah. doing his thing and then yeah yeah absolutely I get it. um 
your journey with more recently with James Gordon is an interesting one. Obviously, you know, you were in Justice League and that we don't have to rehash that fraught production, but it went through different iterations, et cetera. Um, I'm just curious, like, what was there an initial plan for like, did you know, like, were you going to be in the Batman movie? Like, did you know what the next what the plan was supposed uh, to be for your character? Well, we, yeah. When I first uh, uh, signed up to do Justice League, it was a, you know, three picture deal. And there was going to be, you know, the intent was at that time, you know, that those actors were going to keep playing those, you know, iconic superheroes. And, and uh, you know, there would be something for me to do in, in a couple of more movies. Um, and, you know, as is often the case, uh, that didn't come to fruition for a variety of reasons. And uh, I, I was completely flabbergasted that they came back to me, you know, recently and, right. and, and, and wanted to have uh, me be a commissioner Gordon again. And, uh, and, uh, and, and have it be a, you know, a more significant role in that. This has all been announced, right? Yeah, I know. This all is the, Leslie, Gra- yeah. Leslie Grace is playing Barbara yes. Gordon. We Leslie know, Grace yes. is, <laughs> is bad girl. And, uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, and I'm looking forward to. I actually, I think I'm going to get on the horn with her and uh, and the directors uh, in the next couple of days and, and uh, do a little uh, uh, preliminary uh, rehearsals on it. And uh, oh, you know, yeah, a, a couple of months from now, well, they start very soon, and then I jump on board uh, sometime in January over in Glasgow, which is a wonderful place to be shooting it because it's you know gothic. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 excited to be uh, to be. The once in future uh, Jim Gordon. Yeah, I would think by the nature of the story. I mean, you have Barbara Gordon at the center. James Gordon's going to factor. Have you have you been able? Have you read the script? Do you have a sense of sort of your yeah, yeah, your yeah. part to play in this? Yeah, and I had had a long discussion with uh, with the, the guys uh, uh, about you know how uh, we want to portray him and uh, uh, and the script. You know, I I, I thought. Uh, uh, <laughs> don't want to give away anything no it's okay it's okay <laughs> so i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna talk about the, the structure of it or any of that but okay uh, but uh, you know i i thought it was re- really an interesting take on uh, uh you know introducing batgirl and uh, and giving uh jim gordon you know fleshing him out uh, uh, certainly more than i had a chance to do in, in my sure. first foray into that uh you know other actors have, have had more meat on the bone with their versions and uh and uh, you know, I mean, uh, I, I think at this point there's there's room for us all because they're, you know, the people who are really dedicated fans of of uh, whatever it is, DC or Marvel or whatever, you know, now know that there are whatever nine different versions of the right. you know the Batman universe because of time travel and this and that and the other thing and you know spatial time this and that. We- <laughs> so so it could be me or Jeffrey Wright or you know whatever actor you know. Uh, playing Commissioner Gordon, and 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 there can be nine different Batman <laughs> actors, and and it's all okay because there are yes. these alternate kind of universes. We've learned a lot about these yes uh, parallel universes thanks to Marvel and DC in recent years. We're all getting really sophisticated and smart about this, <laughs> aren't we? Though, yeah. <laughs> um, before we wrap up with your with your comfort movie, I do want to mention a little bit more about Jason Reitman because he's been such an important part of your career. And uh, from Thank You for Smoking on, as I said, he he calls you his muse. Without if people haven't seen by the time this is out, uh, Ghostbusters will be out. But I don't want to ruin it. But I will say I was thrilled to see you in a really fun cameo <laughs> in Ghostbusters. Uh, of course, how can you do Ghostbusters with Jason Reitman without J.K. Simmons? Um, uh, but I guess just talk to me a little bit about how has that has that relationship evolved, or was it there right from the start? I mean, he was a he was a kid when he was starting out. He was like yeah. Damien, pretty young. Exactly. 
Yeah, um, yeah. And so did, did you guys click immediately or and how has it changed if, if at all? We, we did click immediately. And I, the first time I met him, I was auditioning for Thank You for Smoking, uh, another movie, by the way, that people need to see if, oh, if yeah. they think Juno was his first movie, you know, because right. um, uh, it's such a well-made, I mean, for a first time writer, director, such a wonderful movie. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and I had gotten the script and I was auditioning and I had no idea. I didn't even know he was Ivan Reitman's kid. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I make a living in show business, but I really have no idea what's going on in show business. Um, and I was, and it was one of those auditions where we were living up in the hills at the time and in, in Nichols Canyon in LA. And the audition, of course, was, you know, way over by the beach in Santa Monica. And it was like, you know, it's at one o'clock and it's right. And I was like, oh, then I got to go do some radio voiceover thing after that. And what a pain in my butt it is to schlep all the way out there and, you know, sit in traffic. And I get there and, you know, as usual, they're significantly behind and on the day. And I go park at a parking meter and put in an hour and I wait for 55 minutes and I'm going back outside to, you know, kind of debate, am I going to plug my meter or am I just going to say, screw it, you know? Right. And, uh, and as I'm going out to, you know, decide whether to plug my meter or not, this, you know, child comes walking toward me and goes, JK. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, somebody actually recognized me, you know? And I go, yeah, hi. And he goes, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Jason Reitman. <laughs> I go, oh, 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 great, cool. He goes, I'm so, so sorry, I'm late, so sorry. Do you have to go? Please tell me, you know. And I obviously stayed and auditioned and, and we talked about who that character was gonna be and, and why he thought of me for that character, which had a little something to do with J. Jonah Jameson. Um, or, or, or that was kind of part of why he thought of me, but kind of what he was sort of leery of too. Right. You know, um, and, and we talked about how to, yeah, sure. how, yeah. Yeah, how to differentiate. To which I, of course, like a jackass said, well, he could not have a flat top and a cigar and a mustache. None you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> of which he had. Um, he might have had a cigar. Um, but <laughs> Two uh, out of three, but, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was clear after that first audition uh, and certainly during the process of shooting my little part in uh, Thank You for Smoking, that, that we just got each other and appreciated each other. And and uh, and despite the fact that I'm his father's generation, um, he's such an accomplished, even at that time, with all the short films he'd made and commercials and, and his education, he was such an accomplished filmmaker. And I was still felt like a theater guy who had kind of segued and was, you know, more of a newbie than I appear to be. Um, it really became this odd sort of, you know, mentor protege relationship in, in chronological, you know, reverse. Um, and then I invited him to join my poker game of mostly, you know, guys my age. And he was like, uh, well, no, that, that, that sounds funny because I, I don't really, you know, know how to play poker. And I, of course, went perfect. <laughs> Even better. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, bring your uh, cash and he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he showed up and donated several dollars and <laughs> and like by the fourth time he played cards with us he was the best player at the table because he's damn right. he's got yeah, that exactly. brain yeah yeah and he, <laughs> and he committed to learning and you know got really good at it and uh, uh so yeah so we did become you know pals you know outside of work as well and then and then <clears throat> god bless him uh, uh for 
for what he did with Juno, because, because once, once he signed up to do that, which at the time he was, uh, when they first asked him to read Juno, I'm really digressing here. We have no, no, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, he, uh, his initial response when somebody said, Oh, you got to read this script by this amazing new writer who came out of nowhere. His, his initial response was, yeah, I'm, I'm really only interested in making my own films and I want to be the writer director and, and, you know, thanks anyway. But then once he finally did agree to read it, obviously, you know, he saw what it was and, uh, and knew that he wanted to make it. And not only knew that he wanted to make it, but knew 90% of how he wanted to cast it, including me and including Alan Page at the time. And, uh, and, you know, neither one of us was by any means a, a household name. And of course, the people with the purse strings were all like, well, what about this super famous person sure. who's going to bring people into the movie theater or this, you know, 17 year old pop star chick who, yeah. you know, and uh, and and Jason, you know, Doug, he knew he wanted Alice and Janney. He knew he wanted Michael Sarah, you know, who was just kind of this kid from a TV show at the time. And um, and he uh, uh, Ellen and I did a full on like like several hours, most of a day old school camera test, you know, where we played, you know, the two main scenes uh, between uh, uh, Juno and her dad uh, and, and, and even part of some scenes that included other actors reading off camera. And, uh, uh, you know, so that Jason could show, I mean, with like lights and makeup right, a full and on, cameras. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah and, and Ellen was just coming off of that horrific film that she, or, or brilliant, horrific film that she had done hard candy hard candy yep 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 right where she was starved and you know and she looked you know still she hadn't gotten physically sort of healthy again um not that she's the biggest girl on the planet or, or now boy man right <laughs> uh, adult um <laughs> uh uh you know she's a uh, i keep talking about her as she because that's the person i worked with I've, um uh uh a tiny person. And, and I was, I, I immediately felt this sort of fatherly concern about how skinny she was at the time. And, and, uh, which I think probably actually helped, uh, uh, you know, begin yeah. that, you know, that relationship between the two of us. Um, anyway, obviously, you know, Jason was able to convince the money people, you know, yes, we could get bigger names and it might be very good, but these are the two people who I really, really, really want to have play these two parts. And then, uh, uh, you know, obviously that's the way it worked out. And, and, and Allison and, and Michael, and uh, um, he got the cast that he, that he wanted uh, all the way, you know, up and down the, the, the list. And, and, uh, and again, I, you know, uh, another, another series in my uh, lengthy series of, of fortunate uh, events in my career that, uh, because that really was a, a Change your perception, I would uh, imagine, in the industry. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Because people who did know me mostly knew me as either the you know the worst human being on the planet from Oz or or the blowhard from you know Spider Man or and and to see you know uh, the the wonderful character of of Mac McGuff you know uh, based it's it's fair to say I think a, a little bit at least on. Diablo Cody's wonderful dad, whom I met during that process, um, was a yeah was a, a real uh, a real boon to my uh, the way I was perceived in the business and and whatever sort of by the public as well. Well, all you can ask in a creative collaborator, somebody that sees like 
the multitudes within you. Cause I know then he, he went on to recommend you. I mean, he was integral to getting you involved in whiplash, which is like as far from Mac as possible. So he obviously sees yeah. all sides of JK, which is amazing. And, and yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's a blessing. So I do want to wrap up with uh, a comfort movie because I I've been asking folks ever since the horrific <laughs> beginning of 2020, we all needed comfort more than ever. And I, I find it fascinating to hear uh, about the movies that uh, bring every actor and filmmaker on here uh, comfort. And uh, you've cho chosen an absolute classic. And I just would love to hear um, as if it needs defending, but what you find comfort in, in the great to kill a mockingbird. Uh Going back to, it was one of the first, you know, grown-up movies I saw as a kid. Uh, I think the very first was uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner that, uh, that my parents took my sister and I to, which I, which I also considered as, you know, my, my comfort movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, brilliant in its own way, obviously, and, and, and iconic, and, and, you know. Uh, but, uh, but the, the, the story... The, the, the character, the, you know, the, the traditional, you know, mid 20th century, um, strong, silent, uh, 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 kind uh, character uh, of, that Gregory Peck portrays and, and, the, and the brilliance of how the story is told from the kid's point of view and, and how it is adapted from the novel uh, uh, in, in that way. Um, and then, you know, obviously just the bones of the story itself and, and then add in that, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's Robert Duvall? I know, Boo Radley, you know, in, in maybe his film debut, but, you know, um, uh, just, just uh, I mean, I get, I get goosebumps talking about it now. It's, uh, it's such a, a, a beautiful story of, of uh, you know, human kindness and, uh, and, and uh, seeing people for who they are and, and, you know, really, you know, good versus evil um, that, uh, uh, and I know, uh, you know, it's complicated, you know, recently. Sure. Um, it, it doesn't dim my affection for, for that movie and what I believe is, uh, uh, you know, a beautifully told and important, especially at that time, important story. It, it's funny. Yeah, I thought back to it. I haven't seen it in a number of years, but I always remember the opening credits and I watched it again. And just like you talk about seeing it from a, a kid's perspective and like the child, like opening that box and seeing like the marbles, et cetera, and hearing that gorgeous score from Elmer Bernstein. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, Elmer Bernstein. Yes. It just like makes me want to weep just like watching the first two. I'm, I'm barely through like written by credit and I'm already weeping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So an excellent pick, sir. Um, I really appreciate the time, man. As you can tell, I'm, I'm a great admirer of your work. You're, you're one of those, in all honesty, that I feel like, you know, movie good or bad, I, I, I rely on you. You are, you are dependable. There's not a false note that comes out of your mouth. You're one of those actors. I mean, it almost me. sounded like you were saying I've, I've been in some movies that were not great. We didn't cover those today. <laughs> possibly be what you meant. <laughs> That's the next podcast conversation. The yeah, okay. shitty movies yeah, of J.K. Simmons. That's the more awesome, interesting man. chat. Happy to. That's the better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After I retire, we'll have that conversation. Exactly. Exactly. Congratulations on being the Ricardos, national champions, as if Spider-Man needs another plug but spider-man's coming soon too <laughs> um and uh i look forward to chatting with you again soon sir thank you for everything i hope so thanks a lot and so ends another edition of happy sad confused 
Remember to review, rate and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. Ha <laughs> ha